punk rock, street trash, wastelands. And here are your hosts, long-time partners in slime, Adam Obscene and Mark and Mark. Hello world, this is Wastelands, I am Adam Obscene, and with me as always is the mighty, mighty, and slightly under the weather, Marky, Marky, Marco, Mark. Oh, hey, thank you, Adam. Thank you. Uh, great to hear from you. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Yes, I'm a bit under the weather at the moment. Uh, I don't know whether I've got bronchitis or pneumonia or just, I don't know, but a bit under the weather, but I'm really uh, looking forward to talking about... Uh, this evening's movie, Adam. I'm a slave driver, listeners. I've made. <laughs> it's like you've you got to do the show, um, Marky. You've just finished watching this, so without further ado, check this. Mom, there are people next door. Oh, I guess the new owner's moving in. It's supposed to be very attractive. There are two guys out in the yard, and I think they're carrying a coffin. Charlie, do you want to make love or not? There was a murder last night. Charlie thinks he saw the victim in this house. I saw him carry her body out in a plastic bag. Another body of a young woman was discovered earlier this morning in back of the Sheridan Mall. The guy did have fangs, and a bat did fly over my head, and a second later, he stepped out of the shadows. Now, don't you see what that means? Wait, let me guess. What? I have a vampire living next door to me, and he's going to kill me if I don't protect myself. A vampire? cannot enter your house without being invited first. This is our next door neighbor, Jerry Dandridge. Hello, Charlie. Fright night, Marco. Fright man. night. How the original cheesy is 1985. That? that is so 1985, Marco. That little it uh, is. that little ditty um, was making me boogie in my underpants. Oh Jesus! Mate, you should we should get that checked out. <laughs> but when when they mentioned the coffin, I actually felt like coughing. Like, <laughs> oh. I'm in the coffin, Ad. Oh, so. <laughs> So coffin. Um, so listeners, Fright Night 1985, as Marco kindly just alluded to by saying it exactly, a teenager discovers that a newcomer in his neighborhood is a vampire. So he turns to an actor in a television horror show to help deal with the undead. Um, that's a pretty light on description. How whiny is that dude, by the way? Yeah. I, I he, he he was pretty aggressive as well. Like he, he was pretty aggressive with uh um, Peter Vincent as well, and I love Peter Vincent's name, Adam, because it's that lovely mashup between Peter Cushing and Vincent Price's names, who are horror legends in our eyes and many people's eyes. But he's quite aggressive when um, uh, Peter Vincent wasn't going to believe him; like he hounded that guy. It's funny. Um, so, listeners, this one takes that standard line of it's almost like. 
it's like I guess the idea was the director Tom Holland. It, this is Tom Holland's first film. First of all, let's mm-hmm. say this. Uh, Tom Holland, Lost in His Main Know, went on to do some amazing things after this, like Child's Play, and he did Thinner, and he um, mm. went and he's done lots of sort of like anthology horror serial stuff. So Tales of the Crypt or Masters of the Horror. He's been through Masters of Horror through that. He was a writer. That did he penned the screenplay for Psycho Two and Class of nineteen eighty four before Fright Night, and very cool. he wasn't very happy with the way that they were directed. So he basically wrote Fright Night as his vehicle for getting into directing. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because he had this idea about a vampire boy, ne- the boy next door vampire movie, and he goes, "Well, yeah," and it sat on the shelf while because there wasn't anything in it that he felt was movie, movie sort of making, uh, movie worthy, worthy. Um, until he came up with the concept of the character Peter Vincent. Now, in 1985, um, when this came out, horror movie TV hosts were everywhere in America. We just, you know, we obviously. We know Elvira, um, but this is sort of like mm-hmm. that late night hit horror movie TV host, that, you know, sort of like how they had in Gremlins as well. Roddy McDowell plays this Peter Vincent character, and once that happened in Tom Holland's mind, this concept gelled and it worked really yep. well. And and, yep. that, and that's sort of the bit like he's the Val Helsink vampire slayer, but he's actually a B movie actor, which is kind of like yeah. the eighties spin on it. Um, and being played by Roddy McDowell, which is um, also sort of like genre film royalty because he played Caesar and um, uh, the other one in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, right. Um, uh, you lost me there, mate. I didn't know that fact, but that's very cool. Yeah, so he played – yeah, the, the two the, – so he played opposite Charlton Heston in the first one. Um, and he played Cornelius, that's right, and then Caesar oh, in yeah. The Conquest of the Planet of the Apes as they went through. So he's, um, you know, kind of a bit of he, – yeah, he's a bit of uh, genre royalty as well. The idea was that that character was actually written to be for Vincent Price. But at the yeah, stage, right. um, looking back through the research, Vincent Price was um, getting it – getting quite old at that point and wasn't wanting to do horror films and so um Roddy McDowell got the role um but the original character was written to be quite more a lot more um like formidable um Mm. and not as bumbly as like the way that Roddy McDowell played it and the reason Roddy McDowell played it this way is he believed that if you were a movie star that had moderate success in horror films and ended up hosting a horror TV show, you probably were like a bit of a one hit wonder. So he sort of yeah. played it like that, which I thought was really uh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And it's funny around that time, um, Vincent Price would have been, um, if people knew, I, d- I don't know if people knew, but he was also, uh, you know, would have had a little bit of a popularity spike after doing some of the vocals in Thriller as well. Yeah. Um, and working with Alice remember. Cooper as well in, in the early 80s. Yeah, doing some stuff, so. yeah. So he would have been enjoying that. So, yeah, maybe maybe Fright Night, uh, maybe cut a bit close to the bone with that kind of hamming it up too. Well, I think too the thing is that Tom Holland has said that Fright Night was – he got given the go-ahead because the the the, the movie-making company, the, the powerhouse that he did it under um, – which 
basically did Columbia, Columbia Pictures really just said, oh, look, you did well for us on Psycho 2 and 1984. We'll give you this one because they had other films that they were working on and they basically mm. gave him free reign just to go for it. And he said it was excellent, major budget um, film studio mm. and just filming in all the black back lots. So it was actually filmed on the Disney back lot. Um, oh, so wow. for Columbia Studios, and so a lot of the uh, suburbs shots in this film were. Remember that Tom Hanks movie, The Burbs? Mm, yes, so, I do. Yeah, so that this it's the same back lot. So that's um, great. Yeah, so that's I'm throwing in heaps of early factoids, Marco. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so look, that so he came up with this idea, I and it it got going. He ran with it. So you've got. The guy, William Ragsdale, Charlie Brewster, the whiny, forceful, boy-who-cries-wolf kind of concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was right the whole time. Yeah. So it's almost like the flipping that around, like everyone's going, you're a horror movie fan, you love vampires, and now all of a sudden you've manifested a vampire next door. Come on, mate. You're having a lend of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out that he's right. Um, Yeah. That unbelieved... Boy, yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a little bit of a lost vibe, a lost boy's li- bit of a vibe in there yeah. as well, too. I think they call that um, sub, super or paranormal disbelief, I think, is the, the thing it's called in films, is that when you're experiencing a real paranormal event and nobody mm. around you um, believes you. So it's that frustration of trying to tell, get everybody to the point where all his friends even think that he's mad and they humour him by going mm. around to um, Jerry Dankridge, which is played by Chris Saradin, who's the vampire's house, to try and prove to him with Roddy McDowell as Peter Vincent that this guy isn't a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great moment. Yeah, he's like a really bumbling – there is a really bumbling Van Helsing, disbelieving Van Helsing in there. It's great. Mm. And the spoiler of that is he makes him drink tap water, which he says is holy water. Um, he, he doesn't want to have a – that Jerry doesn't doesn't believe that he wants a cross in the house because his, exper, his explanation is he's recently born again Christian. Oh, yeah, that's he right. He thinks it's blasphemous. Mm. Um, and so he drinks the tap water and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden Roddy McDowell – bolts and he go and there's this great scene in the car where he goes oh i've just got to get out of here and he's all like trying to and william's going what do you mean when you know child's going what do you mean what's going on he says you must know he did not cast a reflection in the mirror (laughs) that's right the classic the classic vampire thing of not casting a casting a reflection so at this stage you've got evil ed which is charlie's best mate who was a creeper and really um, annoyed me. And Amy, his girlfriend, yeah. who was Amanda Bess, who was Marcy in Married with Children, the annoying next door neighbor. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Oh, yes. It bugged the shit wow. out of me for ages, dude. And I was like, oh, that's her. So, that's her. Yeah, yeah. So she, the sidekick was very annoying, wasn't he? He uh, had. He was, his his line delivery was um, horrible. Was unique, yeah, and horrible. It, it was horrible. Like it was really hard to watch. But what made it? He actually gets turned, um, and and that made yeah. and what what that he's horrible as a person made him awesome as a vampire. Yeah, yeah. That cross right in the middle of the forehead got yeah, him. Yeah, it was really great. Um, <laughs> you know, one one thing I noticed as was every time the phone rang, like it's all landlines because it's the eighties. Every time the phone rang. Um, it's got the exact same ringtone as like what I have on my um, iPhone. So I was like, oh, my phone's ringing. 
twice, at least twice through the movie. It had that, you know, that classic, yeah. you know, old, yeah, old school <laughs> bell ringtone. Yeah, that that gave me a couple of Pavlov dogs moments throughout yeah. that as well. That's great. That's great. It's like, oh my god. Um, yeah. So, I guess like um, a couple of little things that with you know factoid times. I've thrown a couple in there, but. Um, I felt, I don't know if this is a factoid as much as an observation, Marco, but mm. given the fact that Tom Holland later on in, um, 80, 94 directed, um, Thinner, I reckon, I reckon Tom Holland is a bit of a Stephen King fan, right? This, yeah. The, yeah. the parallels between this and Salem's Lot. Yeah. Are pretty spot on, right? Yeah, it's definitely got Salem's Lot, and I thought a little bit, little bit of Lost Boys yeah. uh, vibe as well. Lost Boys was way more stylized and wanted mm. to be way more futuristic, but or modern. But um, yeah, it had that kind of vibe in there as well. But yeah, definitely Salem's Lot. It was of that era. I felt like that the um, the Jerry, the Jerry vampire dude, um, was probably a little bit more faithful to the Barlow in. In, um, so in Stephen King's book, as opposed yeah. to what he became in the movie that that they did of Salem's Lot. So, oh uh, yeah, I I, lo- I loved Barlow in Salem's Lot, though he was like a creepy, a creepy Nosferatu. I love mm. that, and that's what the sort of this the spin that they did it in the movie. Um, but in the book, he's a lot more debonair. Um, so. uh, yes. Um, so, so that's you know that, and that's probably you know down that line of why you know Stephen King doesn't like people <laughs> the way people you know take artistic license with his books, and I don't think he ever has. Hence, why yeah, no, we end up I don't blame him. Ma- that's why we end up with Maximum Overload, which uh, we've spoken <laughs> about. Oh, we've got a podcast about that movie sometime. Oh, ACDC film soundtrack and Monster Killer Machines. Who? What is there not to talk about? Oh man. Uh, digressing. <laughs> so Sorry, listeners. Sorry, listeners. We're, uh, we're, we're a bit out of touch today. Um, I think we've got look, there's so much in this, but I, I think what, um, comes out of this movie is that it was of a time and a place that when it landed, it was actually the highest rating summer horror film in 1985 and grossing. Yeah, like oh, that's cool. Um, and it's got a pretty cool soundtrack. It's got Devo on it, and it's got Autograph on it, and some other stuff. Uh, which is interesting is the uh, dude who composed the soundtracks for Terminator did the sound mm. did the uh, oh interesting the musical score for this film. Yeah, um, cool. And the other little hint is that one of the life masks that Roddy McDowell had from the Planet of the Apes is in the background of um, Peter Vincent's apartment. That's oh yeah, that's something that I noticed. I went, ah! <coughs> he had his own studio of Senado for sure. Totally did. Um, back to that character observation that um, Charlie Brewster was a bit whiny and a bit victimy and a bit everyday boy next door. Um, mm. I think that was actually a pretty good casting. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think I, it was well done. And I read that originally Charlie Sheen auditioned for the role, but he was knocked mm. back because he was a little bit too hero-like. Like he would have uh, been, he yeah, would, yeah. he wouldn't have been believable in nobody believing him that he was facing vampires. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked the casting in this. I thought it was great. 
I think it was high quality and it really was a good indication of where Tom Holland was going as a director in movie yeah. four. And like, you know, Child's Play is, you know, he created a character that is now comparable to Jason and, you know, Michael Myers and Leatherface. Chucky is sure. in the pantheon sure. of pop culture um, horror icons. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, <clears throat> I like I like he's inserted his own lineage into that because he in this one he does pay homage to um, Hammer Horror. There's Hammer Horror playing on the TV screen, yeah, you Lee's know, periodically throughout. Um, there's tips of the hat, uh, you know, and he he knows where he is in the lineage. He knows he's in the mid '80s, and he's he's dropped this movie into it, and it's it's really good. And and then it got remade in well, re-released uh, as a remake in 2011, and that's very much of its time as well. That's mm. very 2011 too. And then for him to go on and then really put his stamp in the, the horror lineage with um, Chucky, like you said, um, it, it really does put him up there in the best of all time, for sure. And he's, he's very aware uh, of, of his place in it. And I like that. I really like that. I think. It's interesting you talk about the seek the remake is there was actually a 1988 sequel as well that had most of the cast come back. Oh, that's right. Um, but Tom Holland didn't direct that, and then mm. there was the remake in 2011. Um, yeah, that starred old mate Colin. Uh, was it Colin Farrell? Yeah, Colin Farrell. And then in 2013, there was another a, a, a sequel to the remake. And um, so it's it's got a it's got a bit of a wheelhouse in there, but it's interesting. I was yep. reading in the deep dive that uh, Tom Holland has said that he has a desire to make the official sequel to his film and go back and take all the characters from Fright Night One and ignore this, the original sequel and two remakes and do it as Charlie and Amy have mm. gone back and moved into the house that they grew up in and. Evil Eddie is living in the house next door. Oh, that'd be cool. So that apparently that that's I don't know if that's real. Uh, you know, it's on the internet. Can't believe it. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, a, a great premise. I mean, they've done that with Halloween. Mm. You know, and they've done that with uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street as well. You know, they've had you know the the generation in the originals grown up, yeah, and then reintroducing Freddy back into the younger characters with the the older generation as actually being able to help this time. Like, like you can see it fitting in. It, it works, that doesn't kind it? of style. And mm. it works really well for directors that maybe lost control of their franchise after the first couple of films mm. and look at doing their own reboots because it gives them the ability to sort of wipe the slate clean, which we do see with horror franchises all the time as well. They'll say, sure. this film is a direct, direct sequel to number one and we'll ignore yep. that two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Actually, Absolutely. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they did it with Friday the 13th. They did it with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, they've done it with quite a few. Don't, don't man Elm Street. Yeah, they've, they've done it a lot. And it, it works. It, it actually works. It's, like, if you're just a horror fan and you don't mind, yeah. like, let's just the more of those guys on screen, the better, I say, anyway. I, I think the concept of, um, and DC comics and movies do this really, the concept of the multiverse. <laughs> Um, is that you can have multiple realities happening concurrently and that's how you can have different Batmans and different, you know, sure. different Supermans and all that. Sure. It well, that's in, very much a... It works in horror. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, Stephen King proved that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got a multiverse, a very intricate and unique multiverse, and yeah. he he works that really well. And I think that that's um, some, some really clever people have just gone, multiverses are really good to fix, fix continuity issues in movies, books, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and culture, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can drop characters in and out, you yeah. know. Uh, and you just go, ah, can... oh, well, you know, we've got 4,000 actors that have played Batman. That's 4,000 different multiverses. <laughs> yeah, and, pop, you know, popular characters can be dropped in and yeah. not so popular ones can get, Drooped. you know, taken yeah. out. So, I mean, it's a very useful tool. <clears throat> but, um, so yeah, we, again, we digress. Look, Lost News, I really like this movie. I've got, I watched this, um, on VHS. Uh, I've pulled it out of the Studio Obsceneto archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I set up right next to me here, the little tube TV and the video player and watched it whilst working away this week. And it was, and it was, Thoroughly enjoyable. It was a just absolutely a really, really good popcorn nineteen eighties film. Um, oh, so good, so good. Yeah, this was a this was a really classic movie. It made me, Adam. This has got nothing to do with the actual movie movie itself, but it made me want to go back and rewatch some sort of teen screens from that time. Like, uh, it reminded me of um, sometimes they come back. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, which was a. Uh, I think it was based on something that Stephen King did. I'm sorry, listeners, that I don't know the full ins and outs of that. But late 80s teen screens before, um, you know, I know what you did last summer and Scream came along and rejuvenated and refreshed the teen screen genre. There was movies like this and movies like Lost Boys and um, movies like Sometimes They Come Back, you know, that, uh, which are really, really cool. So if you like this movie, this 1985 uh, Fright Night, you would you would do well to go back and have a look at some of the teen screams and teen monster movies from that time. I mean, even the kid friendly ones like Teen Wolf ads. Mm. That's mm. in that in that genre or in that era as well. I should say for a a more mass market, but still, uh, it's teen screams with a monster. Um, uh, I want to loop around that the bat creature in this movie. You know, the one that uh, attacks um, Peter Vincent and he puts the bar in its mouth when sure. he's trying to eat him. That was cool. actually a repurposed prop from Ghostbusters the year before. Um, it was the rejected um, specter that they were going to use for the librarian ghost, but it was rejected because <laughs> it was too brutal. Yes, actually, yes, you're dead right, Ads. The practical puppetry in in that scene is like Ghostbusters. It really is. It it does. It's like that um, sector in the uh, New York Public Library. Yeah, yeah, very close. So that's that sort of you know Ghostbusters, Gremlins, the kid friendly, you know, Monster Squad sort of you know mid mid to late eighties horror fed through to the inspired by. Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth style slashes like Sleepaway Camp mm. and and you know, Driller Killer and like it, yeah. it, it like the eighties produced so much like horror goodness it was a golden era for VHS horror and I just have fond <laughs> memories was. of walking along the R rated section of the video shop looking at the video covers and just like oh, wishing that I could watch every single one of them. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And I guess have you, have you fulfilled that wish? 
Well, I, I don't know if I've watched every single one of them, but I own a fair few of them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've basically got a whole VHS store in your um, studio. That's it's great. sitting right behind me as we speak, um, <laughs> which, me. which is yeah. great. So this comes around to the way we actually selected this one is Marco. I said to Mark this week um, coming, what are we going to do this week? And he said, well, I was talking to DC and, she, and we'd been talking about uh, Fright mm-hmm. Night or um, yep. or Tu Wong Fu, and I came back and said, can't do Tu Wong Fu, let's do Fright Night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Tu Wong Fu is an excellent movie, um, but I'm glad we did Fright Night, mate. It, it makes me want to go and watch all of these movies, as I said before now. Um, such a such a great time. It's such a great time for movies, and uh, really heavy on the excellent, excellent practical effects yeah. and puppetry like and, and that like, era pre-cgi they did some really fun stuff and like the thing like smoke with green light and you know oozing yes. pus and you know slime <laughs> and, and you know all that stuff that just is like it it, yeah. it, it, just, it doesn't look cheesy it just looks of its era like it's it's done yeah. it's done well in this film and i think that's yeah cool. absolutely it's done really well you have to uh respect the um the expertise that goes into pulling off practical effects like that and with movies like this they're great because they're very watchable they've obviously got a a, a high budget and the practical effects benefit from that i mean we we talk 99% about like the the cheesy low budget underbelly of the straight to VHS 1980s world Adam you know and we love that our mm. hangover hall of fame is full of that goodness but then there's this other level as well above that that uh that fright night fits into beautifully and yeah just to watch it for the practical effects it's well acted uh the scenery is great the the script is good the casting's good what's not to love it's it's definitely at the top echelons of what we talk about yeah. um nine million dollars was the um estimated budget and it turned 24 million so a resounding success so absolutely um, yeah nice you know, so not much more to say <laughs> except for this body count body count uh, body count. And this is surprisingly low for 106 mm. minutes. We had five kills, uh, so the body count works out to be 0.047 kills per minute, or one kill every 21.2 minutes. Nice. Yeah. So that was the body <laughs> count. That's so cool. There it is. Oh, nice man. Body count. Body count. There it is. There it is. I was getting that so close to being awesome. Uh, so not a lot of not a lot of kills, but I think it's it's interesting because someone gets in this. I guess vampire movies are hard to sort of classify a kill because you might get bitten and turned into uh, a vampire. So are you dead? Yeah, you're well, you undead, are, man. You're undead. So the body you're count. Undead. Yeah, uh, it's a grey area in body counting. So, anyway, five. Uh, Marco. <laughs> yes, oh. That's uh, cool. That's it. Mate, if uh, listeners out there want to suggest to us uh, films or 80 slashes uh, to talk about, what's the best way for them to get onto us? Uh, catch us on all the socials, uh, Wastelands Radio Show. Uh, also, you can go directly to our website, which is wastelandradioshow.com.au, because we're in Australia. One day you'll get that right. It's wastelands.com.au. 
Ah, oh, fuck. Man. <laughs> ah! So pro. Um, so pro. Oh, man, can we just edit that out? Edit that in post. We never um, do. Um, yeah, yeah. We never do. No, no. Like, we're, on all the, we're all on the platforms <laughs> that you get your podcast goodness. Just search uh, Wastelands Radio Show, uh, and we're on Twitter, Wastelands RS. Um, Marco? Yeah, so. Thank you for recommending uh, Fright Night and making me oh. go dig it out. I actually forgot I had this on VHS, so that was really nice to go and find oh. it. Hey, um, you'll have to show us on um, Instagram what the uh, cover looks like. I'm sure it's got some excellent artwork. Oh, Adam's holding it up in front of my screen now. Yeah, it's got some cool artwork. We might, we might take a photo of us. We've been People have been digging the behind-the-scenes um, shots of us with the split screen, so I might... I know. Do one of those. That's they're pretty fun. Um, pretty good. Lostness, All right, mate. Thanks for tuning in, uh, Marco. Mark, is there anything else you would like to add? It's good night from him, and it's good night from me. <laughs> I'm going to go get into my coffin now. <coughs> <coughs> Before you say another word, it's over! It's finished! Like, Like this. Give me the pearl, and your life may be spared.